Hello, this is Roy Lilly. Well, here's a question for you. What did the Tudors do for us? Well, apart from giving us a whole new approach to divorce, they invented the idea of a parliamentary select committee. It was left to Labour's Richard Crossman in the 60s to develop them. They have the power to send for papers and people and scrutinise the what's what of the work of Parliament. Quite what happens if someone says they don't want to turn up, well, I'm not sure. Powers are, quote, undefined. There's something delightfully called the Osmotherly Rules that protect civil servants, and I linked to them in the e-letter this morning. I'm not sure select committees are worth the effort. They're a seat for C-listers clinging on to influence and a ticket for wannabes to try and get noticed or grandstand for their local newspapers. They produce reports which are generally a statement of history, stuff we know, and they make recommendations that Her Majesty's government usually ignores. Each committee costs about half a million quid a year to run. So it's against this not very illustrious background, the Health and Social Care Select Committee, populated by MPs I doubt you'll ever heard of and chaired by the Tinkerman, has churned out, quote, workforce burnout and resilience in the NHS and social care. Well, there's nothing in this report that uh, will not be already known to MPs in MPs who take the time and trouble to talk to their local hospital and care services. 65 pages of the blinding obvious that boils down to when Covid kicked off we didn't have enough staff, we still don't. No one has a plan how to get any more. That means people who work very hard will have to continue to work very hard and everyone's knackered. That makes staff well-being an issue, but because there aren't enough people, there's no headroom to fix it and everyone is going to have to continue, guess what, working very hard. The shortage of people started under the purview of the Tinker Man. Some say it's a bit rich, he's cascading HMG for a problem he helped create. Ho-hum. The report mentions social care 346 times and NHS 461 times. That's a bit of a clue. Social care is the poor relation, <clears throat> excuse me, and we knew that. I can't see the phrase sharing best practice appearing anywhere in the recommendations. No commentary on workforce is complete without a bit of culture. The report doesn't disappoint. It says it's imperative staff have the opportunity and the confidence to speak up. Yep, we knew that, but they don't speak up, and when they do, the roof comes in. The committee prays in aid a couple of reports long since forgotten and makes the usual basic error about culture. You can't change the culture of the workplace, only the environment within which work takes place. The upshot of all this is the conclusion better run hospitals have better outcomes. Well, who knew? The only person who will benefit from this report is the bloke paid to hang the shelf upon which the report will sit and gather dust. Except, except page 55, paragraph 9, it says, we recommend that NHSE undertake a review of the role of targets across the NHS, which seeks to balance the operational grip they undoubtedly deliver to senior managers against the risks of inadvertently creating a culture which deprioritizes care of both staff and patients. Now, that's bang on. We know NHSE will ignore this. Why? Well, because the NHS is undergoing another reorganisation and the need to micromanage will become more acute, inspection more intrusive, the CQC will be more anxious to find fault and the staff put under greater pressure. A couple of days before this report hit the desk, Health Education England published their 
business plan. <sighs> They're giving priority to working with arm's length partners, being collaborative, contributing to more nurses, shaping an operating model to develop the role of ICSs and supply data. Between these two reports, nothing about busting a gut, turning the system inside out, getting more people trained on the wards, doing the job, relieving the pressures, nothing. The groups have obviously not spoken to each other. It takes too long to train people, it's getting too difficult to keep them and too much time is spent doing more of the same. At this point, I would normally resort to suggesting we bang heads together. There's no point, there's nothing in them. MPs don't have a scooby what to do and Health Education England know diddly squat about the urgency or the size of the problem. In the meantime, everyone is very busy. Now this podcast was brought to you with the help of THC Primary Care and we're jolly grateful to them. Thanks for listening and here's to the next time. Bye bye now.